0: the heart of flyover country he's not on the far right and he's certainly not on the far left like you he's somewhere in the middle this is dale carter's america well it's another huge week and we have a lot to talk about we have a special guest today mike brown from frontier justice who's going to join us a little bit later on i'm of course i of course am dale carter and kurt wheeler is joining us how are you today I'm doing great, Dale. Thank you. All right. We, let's just jump right in with Operation Warp Speed 2.0. Now, you may recall last year Operation Warp Speed was President Trump's effort to get vaccines out quickly. Operation Warp Speed 2.0 is the Democrats' attempt to get as much of their liberal agenda through before the 2022 midterm. I mean, think about this. We have a 50-50 Senate right now, and the last I heard... They have a two-vote majority in the House of Representatives. That's about as tight as the thing gets, right? Yet liberals are out there, and, and they're advancing their liberal agenda. Last week, um, the Supreme Court, uh, their fairness deal, did you see that? Uh, w- uh, depends
1: on what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> Ed Markey and all those uh, very left-wing no, I did, liberals. I didn't see this. Okay. So uh, they held a press conference, and they said the only way that we can make what's happened fair, because um, Trump got to appoint three justices. Right is um, we need to appoint four liberal justices right now and expand the court to right. 13. right the court packing thing, right Yes, uh, which is just crazy. Um, even Nancy Pelosi won't touch this because she mm-hmm. knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden had set up some sort of a uh, commission to study the thing, um, but they came out, they jumped ahead of that and they said Supreme Court needs to be expanded to um, 13. And of course, you know what I said was the next time the Republicans have control and they will, you know, it's like a teeter-totter, you know, it goes back and forth, the yin and the yang and all that. Next time the Republicans um, have control, if the Democrats put four on there, well, they're going to put four on there. And I thought Lindsey Graham had the best comeback for this. He said, if you keep adding, ultimately you'll get to 435 and then you'll be as popular as Congress.
1: (laughs) Right. Isn't that great? (laughs) Well, did you see there was a clip of um, Jerry Nadler, he he was given some kind of presser about it, and he was like, "Everyone's saying we're packing the court. We're not packing the court. Trump packed the court. We're unpacking the court."
0: <laughs> as our country has grown, so too to the Supreme Court. Thirteen justices for thirteen circuits is a logical progression, and that is another reason why I'm glad to join my colleagues in introducing—not it's a nice number. It's it's a it's a it, it's a proper number. It matches the number of circuits as it has historically, and it also will enable us to do justice, and to rectify the great injustice that was done in packing the court. And some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. Which (laughs) doesn't make any sense because it's been nine since 1869. It's still nine. Now, Democrats will say that Merrick Garland got hosed because he didn't even get a hearing in the last year of President Obama's administration, and there may be some truth to that. I mean, you know, here's the deal, though. When you when you get into the last year of a presidency and you don't control the Senate, you run that risk. Right. It's been that way historically.
1: Right. Well, there, yeah, there's, there's a clear precedent of people getting appointed or not appointed in the last year of a presidency based on the party of the Senate and the party of the president. And that was totally uncontroversial, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I understand if you're a Democrat or a liberal, a liberal, and you're upset about the situation with Mr. Garland, I do understand that. And I do think, you know, um, it's possible that the, the Republicans could have you know, held, handled it better, held, ha- handled it better, or held a hearing or whatever. But just on its face, I mean, comparing the normal process of the Senate in confirming or not confirming a justice to packing the court and adding four justices when you don't get what you want so that you can pass your agenda they're just not the same in any way it's, it's way, a false comparison
0: my liberal friends used to gig me for the entire four years of donald trump's term about how many lies he told they, they were keeping a counter almost as effective as the debt calendar um, that keeps going up every minute and a half about how many lies he told is somebody keeping track of of all the lies the Democrats are telling, because they are telling some whoppers. I think we we kind of are, but well, we're not keeping, the, we need to yeah. start making a tally. I guess so. We'll get a scoreboard <laughs> and we'll keep that. So Supreme Court, I mean, that's a non-starter. It's not going to happen, uh, especially with Joe Manchin in the Senate, who is basically, I mean, he's one of the 50 Democrats. And he says you know, it's a non-starter with him. Uh, so it's not going to happen. Uh, D.C. statehood is another thing in the last week that's been floated out of committee on the House side. You know, the House is out of control. They are, I mean, thank God, you know, you've got a Senate over there um, that's going to look at these things and analyze them and take them into account. D.C. statehood is something that's been floated, I don't know how many times, and it's, it's not about making things right. It's about a power grab, and that's what the Democrats would love because they would love to take this city of 700,000 and give it two senators and and a member of the House of Representatives. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we mentioned and talked about last week in the Jim Crow episode. I mean, all of this stuff just boils down to votes. It, it all boils down to political power. That's the reason that they want D.C. to be a state. I mean, it's all of a sudden now an issue. I mean, there have been some people that have been talking about it for a while, but it's all been Democrats, you know, and now they're making a big issue out of it because it's they know that it's going to be a Democrat state. If it becomes a state, that's the only reason they want D.C. to be a state. If it was red, if D.C. was red, they would be keeping their mouth shut. If most immigrants, illegal immigrants were Republicans, they would not want them to vote. You know, all of these things that we've been talking about, it's just pure politics.
0: Well, you know, and and I relate to the folks who live in D.C. a little bit, because even on their license plates, um, it says taxation without representation. Right. I love that. Right. Because I wrote my check to the city of Kansas City for the 26th time now since I've lived here, because I live in suburban Blue Springs, but I work in Kansas City, Missouri, and, and, you know, I rail against that. We had Quentin Lucas on, and I continue to rail against that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as long as the people who vote to take my money – Are Well, they're the only ones who can vote, but more than half of that money, more than half of those people live outside the city of Kansas City. As long as that happens, it's going to continue. So for them, I I feel bad for them. And if we really want to get down to brass tacks here and enfranchise those people who feel disenfranchised, uh, first of all, they're going to have to have a constitutional amendment. Washington DC was established by the by the Constitution, so you need an amendment, right? Right, yes. I mean I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I play one on the radio. So you're gonna need an amendment. And then what I would suggest is we block out the federal triangle for you know, the, the Capitol and the White House and the Supreme Court. Let's block out the federal triangle right. and then give Maryland back their land give virginia back their land right okay and those folks are citizens of maryland and virginia
1: yeah that would be that would be much more acceptable i think but i think you'll notice that people are not going to be advocating for that the the pro make dc a state side they want a new state it's not i don't think it's about as much representation for the people who live in dc as it is again about political power they want those two extra senators they want the extra um, representatives in the House to be Democrats, so that's why you they want the to be a state. No, what's the that?
0: the compromise was? Well, let's add Puerto Rico as well, because back in the Reagan administration, you know, they Reagan wanted to add Puerto Rico as the fifty first state. So that would ostensibly be Republican representation to balance Is Puerto off. Puerto
1: Rico Republican?
0: Well, uh, that's what this guy said. Huh. <laughs> but it was Ronald Reagan who was asking for that uh, back in the 1980s. Hmm. So um, it's still a non-starter. It's not going to happen. But again, this just shows you Operation Warp Speed 2.0. The Democrats out of control. And I call it warp speed because they know that in the 2022 midterm, the hangover from Donald Trump is going to be gone. Right. I, as much as they want to include Donald Trump in every piece that they talk about, he's he's not there. So it's just their policies and Joe Biden right now. And uh, presidents typically lose seats in the midterm. And uh, Joe Biden can't afford to lose very many. And I just feel a red wave building in the country. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel a red wave building.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think the Democrats are certainly uh, shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly. So. Reparations. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. That was voted out of
0: committee <laughs> as well. You know, yeah. Yeah, again, we've that. talked about reparations. Who do you give the money to?
1: Yeah, I mean, whenever whenever uh, my liberal friends bring up reparations, I, I always ask them the same thing. Who pays and to whom? And how do you determine that? Are there
0: fractional reparations? Is this going to be Ancestry.com, so we're going to get DNA to make sure that we're we're paying the right people? I don't even know how you would go about it. Yeah, I don't
1: either. I mean, it, it's a joke.
0: Yeah. So those are the three things that uh, came out of the House of Representatives in the last week. A PBS poll was published. I put that on our uh, Facebook page on transgender rights. And the PBS poll says that a vast majority of, of the country that they polled uh, does not like this legislation that is anti-transgender and it's all about how you ask the question so i think we should flip it around and we should ask the question should biological males with penises be allowed to play women's and girls sports right what do you think the answer to that question would be uh no because that's the legislation <laughs> that's being passed Because, you know, governors are trying to get ahead of this because what we're talking about is defending women's rights and defending Title IX because I've got a granddaughter who's six years old. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she'll be an athlete or not, but let's say that she's got a major scholarship riding because, I don't know, she's softball or or volleyball or, or girls basketball or whatever. And, you know, somebody who looks more like you says, hey, I'm a girl. Uh, never mind the fact that you've got a beard, and yeah. I'm going to assume you have a penis. I, I've never <laughs> seen it.
1: I don't know. <laughs> to be um, determined.
0: <laughs> but you get to shower with the girls, okay? And maybe you can shoot threes, and my granddaughter doesn't get a scholarship because you got to play on the girls' team.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not exactly... Uh a hulking adonis of a man you know but i think that uh that it still applies you know i could probably beat a lot of women in sports can we say penis on the podcast so. well you've already said it like three times
0: well so. it's a technical term <laughs> yeah. right yeah it's not like i said a really bad word i mean right, it's it's, right. it's just kind of a technical term so that's kind of us uh, talking about the pbs poll that was out there maxine waters is in the state of minnesota And she says if the Derek Chauvin trial, which, again, the way these podcasts go, it's a weekly episode. We may already know what's going on here. She says if it doesn't go the way we want it to go, we need to get out there and and do what we do.
2: We have to persist in calling for justice.
1: We have to let people know that we're not going to be satisfied unless we get justice in these cases. And so I just could not sleep, I could not rest, I could not be uh, satisfied without coming here uh, to let the family know, and the friends know, and the people of this community know, and all those who have organized for justice know that I stand with you, and I'm going to stand not only with you, but continue to fight in every way that I can
0: for justice. Uh, she's being kind of vague about it. She's not blatantly telling people to set things on fire and, and you know, hurt people and things like that. But, you know, let's face it, we can read
1: between the lines on what she's doing there, can't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. And this is not the first time she's done that either. I mean, I think, did we play the clip on the show uh, before, the, the last clip that she did where she said... Uh, you know, something to the effect of if you see people in the Trump cabinet out there, you, you get up on them, you get in their face, you don't let them, you know, if you see them at a restaurant or at a gas station, you, you know, push back on them. So, I mean, she's using very aggressive language and I think she knows what she's doing. Obviously, I mean, uh, she would have to be really, really dumb to not know what she's doing. I think she's dumb, but I don't think she's that dumb. And uh, yeah, it's very inflammatory. You know, they want to talk about, oh, January 6th, you know, oh, Trump, you know, started an insurrection with no evidence whatsoever of him telling people to do that. Meanwhile, you have people like Maxine Waters out on the street in states that they are not representatives of. She's not a representative no. in Minnesota. No, she's, she's California. A rep- she's a representative yeah. in California, yet she's in a different state telling people, uh, essentially working them up into a fever and telling the rest of America, that if the uh, verdict, you know, doesn't come out the way that she and her activist, you know, violent base of, <laughs> you know, supporters uh, wants it to, that there's going to be problems. It's, it's, uh, it's really troubling to see yeah. from a, from a congresswoman. You know? Well,
0: closer to home, we're going to have a vigil. And again, it's probably going to have happened before uh, you hear this podcast about, or, or for those who have lost their lives to the police. Okay? So I did a little research on this because I wondered about this, uh, the stats on people killed by the police. Inordinately, it's white people. You know, the, yeah. the bigger number is white people. And then what they're going to come back and say is, but as a percentage of the population, more black people are killed than white people. First of all, police officers who feel like their life is, is threatened mm-hmm. are not doing stats. They're not right. saying, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, how many black people have been killed? How many right. white people have been killed? Right. You know, it's a boom, boom kind of thing. Right. And and mistakes are made, as we saw in Brooklyn Center, which we'll get to in just a second. But now to touch that third rail of politics a little more, I went in and I looked at crime committed by race. Yes. Who? Yeah. That's an inconvenient stat. Uh, blacks make up 13.6 percent of the American population. Mm-hmm. They commit
1: 30 percent of the crime. Yeah, and more if you look specifically at violent crime. And and, and well, you're sorry, go ahead. And looking at murder, yeah to your point,
0: it's about even with the white population. Yep. Uh, yet they only make up 13.6% of the population. Correct. So you need to think about that before you start making a big deal out of stuff like this. We have problems in this country. We need to find solutions in this country as well. And one of the solutions, I think, is body cams for the police. Let's right. let's document everything that's happening in an interaction. Right. And I, I saw a video over the weekend. Uh, it came from New York. A typical traffic stop. Did you mm-hmm. see the video? I'm uh, talking about? I mean,
1: there's a lot, depends on which one you're talking okay, about. Okay,
0: well, I'm talking about the one where the officer comes up, there's a black gentleman sitting in the car, and as the officer gets closer, this black gentleman throws a Molotov cocktail at the officer and speeds right. off.
1: Right, right. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of videos out there. I mean, you can, I, I think I touched on this briefly either last week or the week before, but nobody talks about the opposite side of the coin, which is that the police, you know, If you're a cop, you're going up to somebody in their car. You don't know what to expect. They could be armed. They could be violent. They could be dangerous, you know? And yeah, I think, I think I'm not against police reform in the sense that I think, like you said, I think cops should have body cameras. I think they should have good training. You know, the situation in Minnesota where the cop pulled the the gun instead of the taser. I think that's likely either a, a judgment or, uh, adrenaline control issue or it's a training issue and in either one of those cases I think there are solutions it for that. may be criminal and,
0: and should never have happened yeah. and I agree with you training yeah. should always that's why when I hear these idiots say defund the
1: police and all that I think we need to spend more there right. needs to be more training of police officers right oh yeah for sure and but but you know we also need to address crime which is the thing that we're not talking about as a country we're only talking about the cops doing bad things and 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 Many or maybe even most of these cases, you know, they are not really doing as bad or a bad thing like is being claimed. You know, I mean, the the cops have a really tough job and and the truth is inconvenient in a lot of these cases. And people don't want to hear the truth. But like I said, I'm willing to talk about police reform, but we need to talk about criminal reform and we need to talk about, you know, where crime is being committed and how do we address that? You know, and when you look at the percentages of people who are uh, have violent encounters with the police or are shot by the police, you know, when you take into account crime rates, there is no disparity. And you actually, you know, there are disparities in not only crime rates, but there are disparities in resisting arrest and other things like that, too, that account for disparities in police interactions, you know, but the cops aren't going to be policing where there's no crime. You know, that's, that's the thing. Cops are supposed to fight crime. So they're not going to be in, a neighborhood where there's no crime they're going to go where the crime is you know whether it be baltimore Southside, chicago wherever that's where they need to be so you're going to see more interaction between police and areas or communities where there's a higher crime rate that's just how it is well guns are certainly in the news we're talking a lot about guns
0: so it's a great time to uh, bring on our guest sounds good mike brown with frontier justice It's special guest time on the uh, Dale Carter's America podcast. We have Mike Brown with us from Frontier Justice. Mike, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Certainly, uh, guns are in the news quite a bit. Um, I saw a story this morning on The Wire. Of course, um, it's very fluid when we do a weekly podcast. There are going to be things that change throughout the course of the week. But I saw a headline that said, 34 days in a row, we've had two shootings of four or more people per day. That's just shocking.
2: Yeah, it, uh, it's interesting what's uh, happening right now. We have seen quite a few incidents. Um, you know, a lot of them have been um, domestic disputes and things like that. I think uh, part of it, there is some pent-up frustration going on. I think the, the press is certainly uh, highlighting a little bit more than they typically do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what's happening right now, for sure.
0: You sell and you, know, you market a product that we all have a Second Amendment right to have, and yet it's in the news every day like this. Uh, but a lot of your customers, they're certainly not the people who are doing this. They're not the kind of people who are committing crimes and things like that. Um, most of the time, I would guess you know, guns are for personal safety or hunting.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of people that have started uh, getting into the market. We, we always talk about we sell a tool, right? So we, we're, we're no different than any other hardware store in some ways. And uh, our tool can be used for fun. Our tool can be used for sporting. Uh, but our tool really is for self-defense and the protection of family and, uh, and property. And um, so we've seen a lot of people come to the market lately that have never, ever had a firearm. Uh, last year drove you know significant sales and interest in our in our tool that we sell, and uh, you know ninety nine point nine percent of the people that use our tool are law abiding citizens that uh, that have it. But then of course we see the outliers all the time as you would expect.
0: Well, it's like you know somebody uh, gets drunk and kills somebody with a car. I mean we're not taking cars off the road.
2: Well, it's interesting. I just gave a speech actually to a group last week talking about that. Is, uh, you know, the, the one tool that they focus on is the gun. And I always say, um, you know, we're never going to be able to legislate uh, bad people from doing bad things. I mean, it's been happening since the dawn of time. And um, it's been happening with rocks and knives and all kinds of different tools uh, throughout history. But we seem to always want to focus on the, on the firearm. And uh, it's, that's not the problem. It's, it's the man that, that wields it that's the problem.
0: No question about that. So what about access to guns these days? Um, I've heard things like um, it's tough to get a gun right now. It's tough if you get a gun to get ammunition for it. Is there an
2: ammunition shortage? Well, there's definitely a, a, a backup in the supply chain right now. Um, we have what I call, uh, we had four surges last year. Um, you know, one was, the first one was covid and I think that's when a lot of new people realize that, uh, that maybe we don't live in this uh, panacea of the United States. Bad things can happen here, and government can't always save you. So we saw a lot of people buying firearms. That was the first wave. Um, the second wave I talk about is, is civil unrest and, and the calls to defund the police and take it to the suburbs. That really woke a lot of people up, uh, the fact that maybe the police can't save you all the time. And then the third wave was ahead of the election. But but interestingly, the fourth wave and our biggest sales spike with ammunition shortages and everything was in January when, uh, when the big tech clipped parlor. That was when that really scared everybody because that, that was the First Amendment or what we're doing right now, our right. freedom of speech. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so guns have been uh, under pressure, ammunition, but we've been able to keep in stock. So we've, we've done a good job with that.
0: OK, well, one of the big bugaboos that they always talk about in the media is assault rifles. I mean, they've made that into the biggest buzzword of the year, I think, assault rifles. President Biden talks about wanting to
2: do the assault rifle ban and all that. I want what is an assault rifle? Well, that's funny. We talk about that a lot. I mean, there is no such thing as an assault rifle. So people think that AR stands for assault rifle. AR stands for Armalite rifle, and Armalite was the manufacturer of the first civilian use of what's called the M4, which is that platform we're talking about, the AR platform. So any any kind of tool can be an assault tool, right? I can have an assault knife if I want to assault you with it. There is no such thing as an assault rifle. What they try to to talk about is the uh, is the civilian AR platform. That Armalite rifle is what they're trying to. So focus it looks
0: on. nastier than it is.
2: It you know what's amazing is it's it's actually one of the best platforms for for a rifle that's ever been made. And this it, it shoots straight. It's easy to shoot. Women and men both can shoot it. It's fantastic for hunting. Uh, we had a conversation with a guy the other day. Said you can't use an AR for hunting. And I said well. Uh, yeah, actually, my wife killed a really nice antelope out in Wyoming with an AR, and, wow. and no, she didn't take you know fifty shots. She used one shot, but it's <laughs> it's a great rifle with with very little recoil, and it's yeah. it's a it's a fun platform. Yeah,
0: another one of the scary terms they use is semi-automatic. Now, you know, when I was a kid, my dad got me a twenty-two rifle, a Browning twenty-two rifle. It you could put nineteen bullets in it, right? Mm-hmm. And once you got the thing revved up, you know. For every pull of the trigger, you could shoot one of those 19 bullets. Yep, That's semi-automatic, right? Yes.
2: Yep. Every, almost every gun is a semi-automatic. I mean, a lot of shotguns are semi-automatic. If you're out in a duck blind shooting a, a Remington shotgun, you've got a semi-automatic. So that's, you know, when they talk about that, they're just trying to scare people. They are trying to scare people. I mean, they want to, uh, there's, it, there's just a different agenda for guns out there. And it, it has nothing to do with. With the kind of gun they want to get guns gone, I yeah. mean that's that's really the the motivation behind it, and it's uh, uh, it's against the Constitution. We have a right to be able to use this tool and defend ourselves. So
0: there are some people out there, Mike, who just
2: don't like the Constitution. Yeah, yeah,
0: there are. <laughs> it's hard. You wouldn't think it's we would an say inconvenient it. Yep, fact. It is. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, when you're pushing socialism and communism, you you don't like uh, the Constitution for sure.
0: We're talking to Mike Brown, Frontier Justice. What's going
2: on at Frontier Justice? Well, we've been very busy, as you can imagine. So uh, it's been a great uh, it's been a great year and a half for us. Um, and I think the fun part for us is we we were talking. There's new entrance to the market so uh, we have all these new people who are interested in firearms now and safety and and uh, they're taking a lot of training they're learning how to shoot taking private lessons and the, um, the females that have come in has just been amazing too um, I, I call it the, the soccer mom syndrome so we've got a lot of a lot of ladies coming in now that you wouldn't expect getting, bringing to the market so it's fun to watch
0: all right. Well, there are a couple other things I want to, I want to bring up here. Um, first of all, you know, and, and Kurt and I have talked about this on the podcast as well. Red flag laws are one of the things that they're talking about in Washington, D.C. I have a concern when you see things that are happening now. I mean, the latest, the the guy in Indianapolis, who knows why, former employee goes in and starts shooting people. What can we do? And maybe you're already doing some of these things. Um, To keep guns out of the hands of people who really shouldn't have them, the people who are mentally unbalanced, mentally unstable. I mean, you talk about a tool. That's the kind of tool that I personally don't want to see in somebody's hands who's
2: unbalanced. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, um, you know, we don't focus enough on mental health issues in this country. And we do. We need to focus on that. We need to focus on what is driving people to feel that they need to go out and, and do these kind of drastic things to their fellow man. And so uh, I think that we need to spend our time and energies on focusing on mental health, finding ways to get some of these people help. I mean, the guy that that, that did the the FedEx shooting, um, I mean, clearly he had a lot of problems. I mean, if you look at any of the shootings that we've seen throughout history, um, there were a lot of signs leading up to that that uh, this person's having problems with life and probably needs some help with a professional. And I think if we can identify ways to do that, that we're going to all be a lot safer. Okay, what are the
0: safeguards that are already in place when somebody comes to you to buy a gun?
2: Well, you know, that's a funny funny question because I've noticed a lot of uh, surprise and anger and in- indignation when people that have never bought a gun come in. They go, what do you mean I've got to do all this? What do you mean I've got to do all this paperwork? So, uh, you know, you don't just come in and buy a gun like a pack of gum and walk out with it. And, uh, and there are a lot of safeguards in place. Um, we have as a company, we take it very responsible, you know, our our responsibility very seriously. We, we look for any cues of somebody saying something that, you know, would, would be off as they're, as they're buying a gun. We go through the FBI background check. There's uh, what's called a 4473, the paperwork that they have to do. Um, so you don't just walk in and pick up a, a a gun, like a pack of gum and walk out. And, um, and, I think you know, when you look at the millions and millions and millions of firearms that are sold in this country, um, uh, I think the industry does a really good job of uh, keeping everybody safe. But again, you're always going to have those people that slip through the cracks and you're always going to have somebody that there's always a bad actor, right? I mean, it, it's, you're not bad. Gonna people avoid do that. bad things. Bad people do bad things. You're not going to avoid it. Um, you know, we can talk about knifings and and muggings and robberies. I mean, Hammers. Hammers. It, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on yeah. every day that we don't focus on consistently. Yeah.
0: Well, now, you're a store, and you go through protocols at a store. Is there a loophole? I keep hearing this loophole about, you know, gun sale events or what's it, gun shows? Gun
2: shows. So they, they, they like to highlight the gun show loophole. And very few guns are really sold at a gun show. When you look at the at the proportion of guns that are sold in this country— so let's just talk about Kansas City. We sure. may have one or two big gun shows a year, yeah. right? So it's a, it's a two-time-a-year two event. It's not like these are happening every weekend. And the majority of those people that are there selling the guns are federal firearms licensees. They have FFLs. And you have to go through the same checks there that, uh, that you would have to if you go through our store. What they focus on is uh, at a gun show – if you uh, if I if you and I run into each other and I'm I've got a you know a 38 special and you just go hey are you selling that then I can sell that to you uh, legally and you can buy it from me um, but it's like any other tool right if you want to come buy my car I don't have to go through everything else to sell you my car mm-hmm. those are the things they're trying to focus on and that but if you look at the shootings and the crime they're not coming from from gun sales at gun shows I mean that's not where these guns are coming from I mean you, the majority of the time, they've been gotten illegally.
0: Right. You know, whenever I hear gun control legislation coming out of Washington, I'm reminded of an an old PSA. Actually, it was a commercial for the NRA, and, and you're old enough to remember this. Kurt is not because I got three kids older than him. Um, but but the the spot kind of went like this: politician A in front of a lectern talking about the the great new gun law they're going to have that's going to fix everything, right? And the camera pans back to a dingy apartment. With a criminal who's eating a TV dinner on a TV tray, and he's watching this on a little TV, and he's just laughing his ass off because he knows it's not going to make a dime's worth of difference. It's not going to make a
2: dime's worth of difference. It's going to make people feel good. I mean, if it was going to make a difference, I mean, we were just talking before the the show this morning. Look at Chicago. Oh my! Chicago has the strictest gun laws in the country, and it is a war zone up there. I mean, just this weekend. Uh, a guy, a gangbanger, rolls up on a guy with a seven-year-old daughter and unloads on him right there in the McDonald's uh, drive through and kills a little girl and puts, you know, the guy may die. Tragic deal. That is not because of gun laws. I mean, the, Chicago is an absolute. It's like Afghanistan right, right now. Uh, One of my really liberal friends,
0: and I do have a few, <laughs> um, lives in the Chicagoland area, and he, he will tell you, his argument will be, That because Indiana, which is right next door, has such lax laws, in his opinion, that the gangbangers go over to Gary, Indiana, and they buy all the guns they want, and then they come into Chicago.
2: Well, I've got a great rebuttal on that one. So you can tell him this. Um, About two years ago, there was a ring going around Kansas City, and they were using 16- and 17-year-old kids to break into gun stores. I don't know if you read about that. So both of our stores got hit in about a two-week time period. And they stole a bunch of handguns from my stores as well as other stores here in Kansas City. They use kids because if the kids get caught, they don't, they don't go to prison because they're minors. Uh, about a year later, a, a couple guys got pulled over with my guns. And you know where that was? Hmm. Chicago. Wow. wow. So all of my guns that got stolen from, from my Kansas location and my Missouri location ended up on the streets in Chicago. They're they're going other places. I mean, again, this illustrates the point we're talking about. Criminals will always find a way to get guns or drugs or whatever it is they're looking for. All right, Mark
0: Westcott to. in the Chicagoland area. If you are listening to the podcast, there's your answer, and I'm going to hit you with it every time you come back on me on that. You know, I th- there has to be some solution there ha- because, as you mentioned, Chicago's a war zone. Hell, Kansas City. You know, our murder rate. We set a record last year. We're probably on pace to do it again this year. I have my solution. I want to test it out on you. All right, let's hear it. All right, Kurt's heard this before. I think it's on uh, the criminal side. It's basically on the violation side. If you commit a crime with a gun, you go away. Yep. You kill somebody with a gun, and it's not self-defense or anything else. It's it's flat-out murder, and it's been you know judged that it's murder. You go away for the rest of your life. No possibility of parole.
2: Well... I think that is a great idea. And I think the other, you know, to expand on that, there's no consequences anymore. So you want to see all this crime that we're seeing. I mean, look to these cities like Chicago or Portland or Seattle. I mean, when you have a DA that says, I'm not going to prosecute, uh, when you when you decide you don't care about law and order anymore, well, then this is exactly what you're going to get. I mean, I don't know if you saw Walgreens um, just pulled out of, uh, I think it was San Francisco or somewhere in, in uh, California because they said, well, we're not going to prosecute anything under $900 for shoplifting. Well, okay, well, that's it's fair game. It's open season on shoplifting. Well, now Walgreens is closing all their stores out there, I think, because there's no law and order. It's law and order that we need to be focusing on. It's not the tool. And that is the problem that that the left always wants to focus on. They think if you take the tool away that bad stuff's going to quit happening. No. How about we prosecute? To your point, how about we put people away that need to be put away, and uh, and and not tolerate, you know, th- these issues.
0: Well, now you've got people who they do their dime for their street cred, and they're back out, and all of a sudden they're a bigger player because they've actually spent a little time in prison. I want I want uh, mandatory uh, minimums on gun crimes, and then, like I said, if you kill somebody with a gun and it's not self defense or anything else. You just go away.
2: I think we'd clear this up in a generation. Well, I think you're right. I think you you use that and you apply that same lens to a lot of law and order issues that we're facing, and you'll see a lot of things uh, start to change. Yeah,
0: I'd let all the nonviolent offenders go if I had to. I'd build as many prisons as I need to build, and I'd be tough on that end of it because you're right. that We're never going to get it from this
2: end. No. And our consequences for, for all crime just c- continue to be lower and lower and lower. I mean, I was I was watching the show Turn the other day by, you know, it's about Washington and the right. spy ring and the American Revolution. Great show. And, uh, you know, they have the stocks that they would throw you in. Mm. You know, if, I mean, th- there was, when, when you cr- committed a crime back in the 1700s, you stood on Main Street and the stocks and everybody threw water and crap all over you and looked at you. I mean, they knew you were doing wrong things. We need to go back to consequences to where people understand if you do bad things bad things happen to you yeah
0: Um, we're talking to mike brown from frontier justice unfortunately we're going the other way in that respect to brooklyn center um in minnesota uh, where the young man was killed right and i want to ask you a specific question about that but first you know uh, what they're saying on the other side is um he was pulled over because he had an expired temporary tag on his car and now they're saying well, maybe we shouldn't uh, pull over people with expired tags. What's next? We're not going to pull over people with missing taillights, weaving on the road. Um, I mean, what's next? Are we just going to stop stopping people?
2: Well, again, I think we come back to this narrative lately where, um, I mean, let's let's talk about, you know, who, let's quit focusing on what what you look like? What color your skin is? Let's focus on what kind of person are we talking about? This guy's got a warrant out for his arrest, right? He choked a woman and held her at gunpoint and robbed her. He's got Facebook where he's showing you know with his guns and his dope and dealing drugs. Okay, this isn't a this isn't a good person. I don't care if you're you know white, red, blue or black, you know not a good guy, right? I mean right. he's not the guy they're making him out to be. So saying we can't we're not. I mean, we got to be able to stop criminals from being criminals, and it doesn't matter who they are.
0: Anytime something like this happens, do you have kids? I do have kids. Yeah. Every time something like this happens, I have a review with my kids. If you get pulled over by a police officer, hands a 10 and 2 on the steering wheel, yes, sir, no, sir, and you be very respectful. Now, what happened with this young man, he was being handcuffed outside the car. I mean, we've all seen the video, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. And they tell him that he's going to be arrested on an outstanding warrant. Well, he's ready to bolt. Nobody's focusing on this. He jumps back in the car. Right. He's going to drive away, right? Yep. They're not focusing on that. Now, what did happen was the officer pulled out what she thought was her taser. It was her gun, and she killed him. So this is my issue and my question for you, because I you know, I went through Citizens Police Academy in Blue Springs. Mm-hmm. So to me, a taser, first of all, looks a lot different than a gun. It feels a lot different than a gun. I mean, what's your take on that?
2: Well, I will tell you in the firearms industry, and, and accidents do happen, and that was a tragic accident, um, but it shouldn't have happened, okay? I mean, rule number one is uh, you you keep your, your muzzle pointed in a safe direction. Rule number two, you keep your finger off the trigger until you're going to use it. Rule number three is know your target and what's beyond it, so... Those are things that you all have to. Your training has to be there, and you have to think about when you have a firearm. To confuse a firearm with a taser, to me is um, it's inexcusable. Um, I understand she was probably under duress. I understand she was, you know, worried about maybe what he was getting out of his car, uh, if he was getting something out of his car. But to make a mistake with between a taser and a and a uh, firearm, I don't know how that happens. That tells me either she was very poorly trained or had not kept up with her training, uh, or maybe she just lost her, her head there with, with what was going on. But um, I've been in situations where I've had to pull my firearm, unfortunately. Uh, and, um, you know, I know mistakes can happen, but but you better know what you're, I mean, we always say, if you pull that trigger, you're changing the world. So you better think about it before you pull that trigger. I, I just find it hard to believe that that kind of a mix up happened, but you
0: know I wasn't there. She so. certainly changed the world with that one. And she we'll, did. We'll see where that that ends up. Uh, she's been fired by that city. Uh, she may well be prosecuted. You know the Derek Chauvin thing may or may not be resolved by the time we're done with this. Um, and you know Maxine Waters, congresswoman from California, you know she's in Minnesota, basically all over the news this weekend saying if we don't get the verdict we want, you know we're going to be in their face. I mean she's basically telling them to riot.
2: Yeah, that and that's a well, that's a whole nother conversation. But that's a dangerous thing for a sitting congressperson to be doing. I mean, first of all, what's she doing out of her state? She has no business being up there. But when you're stoking that kind of unrest, um, that is that is just incomprehensible to me. And, uh, you know, my words to her was, would be, you you better be careful with that. Yeah. You better be real careful with that.
0: Now yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, back into your lane, I did want to ask you this. Uh, President Biden, one of his issues when he talked about executive orders was ghost guns. I'd never even heard that term before. I mean, you know, what's the deal with that? Is that really an issue? Are people buying kits in order to commit crime?
2: Well, it's, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be done at some point, but, you know, ghost guns, again, you um, they, they it's there they're kind of always these folks that push these agendas are always like magicians you know they want you to look at one hand while they don't really want you to see what's happening with the other ghost guns are not a problem um, now legally, you can make your own gun if you use it for your own use and you don't sell it. That's the way the law stands, and you should be able to make your own gun if that's what you want to do because mm-hmm. guns are legal and it's guaranteed by the constitution.
0: I can't make a gun, but I could probably make a slingshot. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, if you want to do that, <laughs> that you could right. put somebody's eye, eye out. It <laughs> could. So you know, there there these three D uh, printers. There are some ways to make firearms that way. Um, you know. I've seen one quote-unquote ghost gun. I've seen one gun made on a 3D printer. It was pretty cool, shot well. It was an engineering student that made it. Yeah. Um, I can assure you he won't be doing anything illegal with it. He's a great kid. Um, it's just not an issue. And to even be bringing up ghost guns like these guns are everywhere, that's just not the
0: case. I
2: mean, yeah. it just really isn't.
0: Well, I think we've solved a lot of issues here. Today. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> is there anything I left out? Anything you want to talk about?
2: Uh, no, I just think, you know, probably when I tell people is just we need to continue to focus on, at this point in time, when you look at, at Second Amendment issues, you've got to focus on the Constitution. You've got to focus on the reason that we have these laws, and it's not for hunting. It is so that we can always protect ourselves against tyranny and evil, either from people or from government. And... Um, you know that's why we have these rules. God forbid we ever have to have these firearms in protection, um, but it's 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 our divine right to have to be able to protect ourselves and our family, and we we need to continue to focus on that and all, instead of all the other things we focus. Well, people
0: on. talk about you know when the Constitution was written, we had just liberated ourselves from Great Britain. It wasn't about hunting.
2: No, it wasn't, and it And we knew those those gentlemen, our founding fathers, knew what it was like to be persecuted from afar and um, they didn't want to have to go through that again. I mean, we all have a right to protect ourselves. I mean, we, w- one thing I always talk about, I guess I would conclude, is uh, we talk about the clock of death in our classes. And what I, what I mean by that is we've seen statistically when any violent event happens, whether it's an active shooter or somebody kicking in your door to come in and rob your house, when violence kicks off, it's gonna last on average in this country about four minutes, four minutes and 20 seconds. The average police response time in this country was about six minutes. It's a lot longer now uh, in some places. The police aren't going to save you. If somebody's intent on doing harm to you or your family, you know who it's up to and who it's always been up to? You. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, we got to be able to protect against that that kind of a problem.
0: Well, in the words of Vice President Joe Biden, buy a shotgun.
2: Buy a shotgun, yeah. yeah <laughs> buy a shotgun. Thank you, Joe, for that. <laughs> You know, that great advice. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming in today. Yep. Thank you for having me. I appreciate right. it. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to C at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.